Hey, Ryan. How are you doing today? I am doing fantastic knowing that it was a dear friend of mine's birthday this week and that it went well. And that friend <laughs> of you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You'll catch up with me soon, though. Um, Sometime this week. <laughs> Do what? Sometime. Sometime? New Year's birthday was sometime this week. Sometime this year. Sometime even. this year. <laughs> yeah. I, heard, I heard it happens every year. It does. It does. It's amazing like that. Unlike my wedding anniversary. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm not going to get into that. You're listening to Portigan Games Season 1, Episode 5, where we talk about kids' games, some of our favorite kids' games, and what makes a good kids' game. That's because it's on, it's on Leap Day. Not, oh, not, is it really? Yeah, I, yeah. I, was, I, I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah, not, not for nefarious reasons. <laughs> no, no, no. I didn't, I didn't know if, if you like just forgot every other year or something. Because I mean, I still do that. And okay. I am human. Only human. Yeah. So we're going to talk about kids' games today. Uh, this might be a shorter episode. We'll see. We're just going to go through some things. I see that you have a new favorite game there behind you. Um, yeah. You care to explain <laughs> that? Yeah. Um, we were talking about Castles of Burgundy last time, uh-huh. and or two times ago, and I love Castles of Burgundy, and um, I also love Keyflower. It's my favorite game. Uh-huh. And... Uh, and I was talking about Castles of Burgundy, but in my brain, I was talking about Keyflower. So if anybody listens to that episode and thinks, wow, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about, I do know what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about the wrong thing. Okay. Um, so, but yeah, Keyflower's great. Didn't, didn't you get to meet the designer of Keyflower and hang out at Gen Con or something? Oh, uh, I don't believe so. Oh, okay. No, no. I talked to um, R&D Games I picked up the expansions. Can you say that again? You, you kind of turned around for a second. Can you say oh, that? sorry. Yeah, no, I, 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 I don't think I did. No. Okay. There's, if you ever read the box on the sides of the box, there's like a description of how it kind of came about. And it's a pretty interesting story mm-hmm. that um, I'm not going to repeat because it will be rife with errors. Cause I haven't read the box in a long time. Well, so it'd be typical of our, uh, of the way that this podcast goes. How I roll. <laughs> the guy designed another game and uh-huh. um, somebody saw it. And I think it was like, a, it was a gangster game or something. And, um, and he saw it and, and he, the, the, the original designer couldn't get it off the ground. And, and there was a gentleman who somebody will probably edit in their name that uh, designed Keeple. And uh, he saw this general other guy's design for this game and was like, whoa, this is going to, this would be great. And, uh, you know, you know, we're like, like it, I'm sure it happens a lot. You design like a great game that has like really bad theme and somebody's like, like, is that a good, is that a great game with a bad theme? So, well, this is a newer game and you can finish your story and I'll talk about a little more, but story was relevant. Okay. Well, (laughs) so this game just came out last month. Well, a little bit before that had been on Kickstarter. Um, It's from, later games who uh, did Root, too, and, and some other stuff. But as you can tell by the artwork, very similar um, style. But this was originally a game with a Roman theme, and it didn't sell very well, but it had solid mechanics. And then um, the, the guys at Letter picked it up and redid it, reskinned it, added a little bit. It looks way more inviting, and I, I think that's 
why it sold a lot better. Um, people are enjoying it. And we, I was going to talk about this with kids games, but I, I think what's interesting about this one is it looks very appealing to kids. Like kids want to play it because it's about like getting toys and pizza and all that stuff. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it's a card game with your friends. But the mechanics are really more of a game for like 11, 12, 13 year olds. Like Blaze was really excited. Um, my younger son, who's eight, was really excited to play this game and he can get it, but it's just, and he plays a lot of games. It's just on the edge of what he can get as far as kids' games. So that, that, that was interesting to me in terms of, like, marketing and so forth. And, and not that they went out and tried to market it to younger kids. It does say 10-plus on the box. Um, but if I were to look at – if I knew nothing about the original game and, and this game, and I looked at the ri- original game, I'd be like, oh, that's a game for older people, not for kids. Yeah. Well, like Blaze saw this and he wanted to play it immediately because it looked interesting to him. Yeah, well, because building, like, because forts are cool. Right. <laughs> right. So, um, but that, that, that's all relevant. And, and there's a nice segue there from, from what you were saying about, like, like you design one game and then another game is the one that ends up selling, right? I mean, obviously, that was a part of our script. So, totally purposeful. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but... This is what we were talking about in, in, in preparation for this, um, that it's hard to kind of define what, what a kid's game is or what makes a good kid's game. Um, I also went ahead and looked up what family games are, and that was a long pause, so I'll have to take that out of the, <laughs> the audio version of this. But I, I looked up what family games are, and some of the, the top family games, it's really interesting. Um, the top family games are like Wingspan, Everdell, Azul, The Crew, Crokinole, uh, Seven Wonders, uh, Quacks of Quedlinburg, Patchwork, Pandemic, so forth. So they are they're things that are more gamer-friendly in terms of like mechanics and what's going on in the game and all, all that sort of thing. In fact, those games are all games that are um, in the top 50, top 100, um, just in general. But the fact that they're also on that family weight list is interesting, especially like given Wingspan. And I know some people love to hate Wingspan right now, but um, Wingspan really, and Everdell too, was on that list. Uh, they're both Tableau builders, which we've talked a lot about like uh, card and deck building games already. Um, so it's interesting to see those on the family weight game because that's going to introduce a lot of other, uh, well, introduce a lot of mechanics to people that they're then going to be able to use in games. Um, so, I don't know, do you, you want to say something about what makes a good children's game and why you wanted to do this episode? Um, just, well, I mean, I just wanted to do this so people would bombard me with good ideas for children's games. Um, okay. No, uh, it's, for me, it's all about accessibility. Um, and for the kids to be able to play, to be able to pick it up, you know, age appropriate and stuff like that makes a good kids game. I mean, if the kids are having fun... But then for like me, me, it's, it's, I also want it to, um, I want it to be fun. Like a game that's fun for kids as a parent sometimes can be, um, a giant slog at times. Right. Um, we've been, side note, we've been watching a lot of Bluey. Um, it's a cartoon. Okay. Um, and if anybody's ever seen it, the parents in this cart is a dog. They're just amazing. Amazing. It's an amazing kids cartoon. Uh-huh. And and those parents 
they they get slogged with the kids, you know, but the cartoon does a really good job. And, and you know, like your kids want to play a board game and then you've got a couple games that you've bought and that they love and you kind of hate. And then, <laughs> like, for example, Pie in the Face. Oh, my goodness, yeah. <laughs> we, we bought that and the kids love to play it. And then everything no matter how much cleaning you do, there's something's going to smell like sour milk. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's yeah. just like, and I used to have like a big old beard. So like, I have to take a shower, you know, you have to take, you know, it's yeah. like, if they get your face in there, it's like, I'm either sitting over the sink, you know? So, so for me, for a good kids game, I just wanted to have a level of strategy that's age appropriate, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, minimize the, the, the pieces yeah, you know, mostly because kids get creative, and I love to explore that creativity. Um, however, if you, if a game has a lot of components, um, next thing you know, your kid has every component of the game out, and you now have this um, giant mess. Like so mouth up, right? <laughs> yeah, I just you know, I just for a kids' game, I just want them to be perfect. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, that, that's the thing, right? Uh, I don't know about you, but I had great memories of playing Mousetrap, but I don't think it was the the actual playing of the game that I remember. I think it was playing around with the silly little pieces that were there when I was a kid. It was the act of, of play acting rather than playing the game that made me, because I've, I've gone back as an adult and played that game, and it's, it's, it's not that fun. Um, there's other games that are more fun, um, I, I think, even for my kids, too. It just, it looks cool, right? <laughs> I have never played Mousetrap. Okay. I have played with Mousetrap a lot. <laughs> yep. You're right. <laughs> I don't think I've ever actually, like, like, conceptually, I don't even know when I was playing with it if I knew it was a board game besides it came in a box similar to Monopoly. Right. Except it's bigger, thicker. There's, there's yeah. giant pieces. Yeah. More powerful. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, obviously, if you look, look up, we, we talked about this pre-show too, um, the top 100 kids' games, you get a lot of Haba. And I think there's pretty good reason for that. Um, mm -hmm. Going with what you're saying, it, they, they make really nice components that are consistent and, you know, they're, they're bright and everything else, but there's not too many of them. Yep. Um, and I, I think that's one of the things that makes them a good company is that um, – you know, the whole German versus American thing, even though this is starting to change, of, like, um, board games is a family time thing. You know, like, some people will go to the park here and do that, and that's a family time thing. But they don't see board games as a family time thing. Um, but for a lot of Germans, it's, like, board games all the way through. That's the way just to spend time together. If you can't get outside and do other things, I'm, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, the Germans are, are pretty healthy people, so I'm not going to say that they don't, don't get outside. But um, but I think they're also mentally healthy, and so instead of you know plopping down in front of the TV and watching a show, they're more likely to spend time. Generally, I mean it's a, it's a smaller country than the U.S. So <laughs> yeah, it's a, uh, but um, is that why they love Euros so much? No, I'm, I'm just making a because <laughs> it's Germany. Yeah, dad jokes. Um, <laughs> dad jokes because we're both dads talking about yep. kids games, right? Yep. Um, so one of your favorites you mentioned was Magic Labyrinth. Do you want to talk about that one for a minute? 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Magic Labyrinth is ranked a little bit higher than one of my preferred go-to that we have in our collection. Um, it is a lot of fun. It's like a little memory game. Um, you have to collect pieces. Uh, the seven-year-old primarily plays it. Um, the, I have a seven and a three-year-old, so three-year-old's not like getting real heavy into a lot of games. Um, right. But yeah, the uh, it's uh, yeah. You're just collecting tokens that are scattered through the board. The, the problem is, is there's like 32 tokens, and it's a uh, it's like a roll and move, except for uh, it uses magnets. And right. there's a ball underneath your pawn, and as you move your pawn, there's these walls underneath the board that you can't see. The ball falls off. You go back to the start, and you've got to remember this pathway. Um, and and it's pretty enjoyable. Um, the the, the <laughs> Keeping track of the tokens is always a chore. Um, (laughs) And that's just my household. We're kind of a chaotic place. But uh, I I do really, really like it. Yeah, I mean, and again, some of that is just, like, by nature of what age your kids are, right? Like, when when the three-year-old is four, it's going to be a little bit easier to do some of those things with him versus Mm. even right now. Um, I mean, (laughs) it's a fun age, but three-year-olds are also kind of all over the place themselves right yeah <laughs> so uh, no that's a good one um do you like i think we've played it together do you like labyrinth uh the robinsberger game it's been around for like 35 40 years where you slide the pieces in and out and like, oh yeah 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 uh, your yep. uh, uh brother-in-law has that doesn't he he probably does uh we have it too i mean it, it's a or am i thinking of corridor I might not have ever played Labyrinth. Um, oh, but you, you have wizards in a dungeon, right? Or there's a underwater version now. If you don't like wizards, whatever. Um, <laughs> but, like wizards. Oh, uh, some people. Some people. You know, D&D. people with bad taste. Balrogs. Yeah. Oh, that would be fun. If, but it, it's more like kid-friendly dungeon in terms yeah. of like you know the monsters are just like flying happy heads instead of beholders. Um, <laughs> um, but you, you slide the piece. It's got this thing that where you're sliding the pieces in and out. So you got to think about how you pick up the objects that you need. And then you come back to your starting place. So it's really simple, but, um, even though it's really simple, it's one that I like, um, and it doesn't have quite the same problem as the magic labyrinth one that you were talking about, except for the cards can get all over easily. I think my boys kind of made a mess of those when they were younger. Now they're fine. They're great. It's when you can play in 10 minutes. So, Yeah, uh, three-year-olds, young kids, and cards, I just accept it. These yeah. are going to get crinkled. No yeah, matter. Gonna... Like, I'll, I'll, I'll stave it off as long as possible, but there's just like the, the old CCG collector, collector card gamer in me is like, oh. Yeah. But then the father in me is just like, oh, whatever. Yeah, I mean, that's the great thing about that game is that there's nothing sacred about it, you know, or particularly valuable about it. Um, and I think I, you know, that's actually one good thing is that like the components getting a little messed up in a kid's game that should be able to happen without ruining the game experience for you. Right? I guess that, I guess that's a good quality of a children's game too. Um, being able to play. Oh, sorry, everybody. There's a door slam in the background. Um, <laughs> so that, that's, um, here's one I don't like. Uh, have you ever played? I don't know. I don't know how this game is as popular as, as it is, except it's just wacky and silly. This this 
makes me think of um, the pie in the face one. Lupin Louie. Oh, that's right. You haven't played this. Lupin Louie. Um, what have I played? No. There's a lot of games. It's not my fault. I'm not made of time. Oh, I know. I know. We're, we're <laughs> limited on time. But that, that one's, it seems to show up everywhere. You know, Walmart, Target, Barnes & Noble, and, you know, everywhere else. And uh, uh, and it's been around for a little The, the Barnes & Noble's exclusive that I want to get for the kids is uh, Blitz Bowl, which is <laughs> Blood Bowl Lite. Um, but I don't know if they're actually old enough yet. But <laughs> these exclusive contracts are so frustrating. Yeah, what, what do you, I mean, we can talk about that real quick before we go on. on, on no, no, no. I mean, okay. I mean, that'd be a whole other thing talking about industry stuff. Um, <laughs> this middle of this kid's episode. Let's get into some <laughs> industry observations. <laughs> on, on, on Barnes & Noble's exclusivity. I mean, yeah. I, I have my own. I, I, I'm very conflicted. Well, yeah, we should come back to this on different next week's episode. By the way, <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it later. Um, I, I like uh, high school. Have you ever played that one? I, I have. I have played that at a convention. Yeah. My problem with because um, that that one you have to put your finger down to be able to flick. Yeah, and and I um, I'm a pretty powerful flicker, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Um, however, I have very sensitive fingers and hands, <laughs> so it's like this horrible thing where sometimes I get a really good whack on there, and then I'm like, oh. <laughs> that's one. That's one actually that you reminded me of that I really actually want to get for the kids because I think that would be. Uh, I might as well wait till Seamus is like four and a half, and then <laughs> get rid of some of those problems we were talking about. But you know, I, I think they'll like it eventually. Yeah. Um, Let's see, My First Stone Age. That, that teaches some really basic things, but that one's out of print right now. Um, it should not be as expensive as it is. Um, it's, a, it's a good little game. Um, have, you, have you played that one? No, no. Okay. Um, well, I'll just say that because it is out of print, so I'm not going to um, say too much. Uh, I think all the Go versions of it. Go ahead. I was just saying, get on eBay, people. Check it out. Pay, pay a lot of money. <laughs> Um, no, don't pay a lot of money. There's lots of other good choices. I think that's, that's, oh, yeah. there's tons of good choices. I was, um, I was being sarcastic. Sorry. Oh no. Yeah. I, I know. I just, <laughs> you, you can't, you can't always hear those things. Um, I think you can probably see it, but not hear it. So, um, since we do the audio, audio version too, um, next one up, I, I'm, I'm going to switch this. I'm, I'm just going to say, I like most of the versions of Animal Upon Animal, I think that's a great one, especially for little kids like Seamus's age. And even older kids, they'll play it real quick. Um, you know, just doing the stacking thing. But I think what makes it, we talked about this last night, and Rhino Hero too. Like, Rhino Hero is essentially what we've all done at some point of, of just building a house of cards. But both of them make it a game by fall. And, and they're they're both Hobble products, right? So this goes to them as a company. Um, they finished the idea by not just putting a, a stack of, of playing cards in a box and calling it something, but they actually made the characters for Rhino Hero and Animal Upon Animal, they actually finished the production and make a nice product. Like, I, I really like the new dinosaur, because I love dinosaur stuff. Um, the uh, dinosaur Animal Upon Animal, and then you get dinosaur meeples that maybe you know, as an adult, you just want to kind of play with sometimes too. <laughs> so it entertains you. I'm talking it. <laughs> um, but that that was there. And then the next one I was going to let you talk about, because you know more about it, is the Enchanted Tower. 
Um, yeah, that's my favorite one on the list. Um, it's uh, it, it, just a two-player game, has no real reading or anything. And, and again, it involves a magnet. And I think it's just like my gross misunderstanding of how magnets works that intrigues me. That was also so yeah. <laughs> um, no, they um, One player plays a, a witch and the other player plays the hero. We mix up the what the people are as needed and you're trying to either get to the princess as the witch or the hero but the the princess is in a tower that has six keyholes and they hide a key within the board underneath the board and your pawn it's a metal key and the the witch or warlock knows where the key is and you don't and then it's a roll and move and the witch starts farther off the board and then you just blindly go until you pick up your pawn and when you pick it up to move it a key is stuck to the bottom and then you have a one in six chance of um of of saving the princess and if you put the key in the right slot the princess pops out and sometimes it's a prince with like a tall hat you know i mean it's always a princess meeple but you know we mix it up whatever you know sometimes we have some variants it comes with two keys in case you lose one yeah and sometimes my we, we play with two keys Okay. Um, hidden in the board. Yeah. It's just a lot of fun. And, and uh, that's okay. one that my daughter's taught to like all of her friends. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets a big blast out of it. So going back to the cooperative versus competitive thing, um, do you think it's important to have competitive games for young kids or is storytelling important or competitive? Uh, I'm sorry, or, or co-op? I, I'm, I'm walking all over my words here. Which mechanics and types of gameplay do you think are important for kids? Mm, I mean, it's, if you want to, cooperative is good. It depends on what you're trying to nurture and build with your kid and what you have fun with. Yeah. Um, like inherently I like, we, we play, um, we've been playing a lot of Minecraft on video games and we play, mm-hmm. we downloaded one of the competitive variants yeah. And we play that cooperatively because she doesn't actually like head-to-head competition a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. Um, but but then also we do play um, competitively in some games, and I think that that's kind of needed so that kids can develop a healthy um, ability to play with people and not, right. you know, like... I mean, honestly, I think it... I think co-op can be great for young kids, especially teaching them the mechanics of games, but I also think it is important for them to lose sometimes. Um, I know I never win, so she always wins. <laughs> she never loses. She's really good. Well, we, we went through a phase where, um, like, Blaze loved games, and then we started getting into competitive games. So, again, my younger son, um, we started getting into competitive games, and we went through a little phase where he didn't want to play competitive games, but I kind of made him. <laughs> and... Um, because I wanted him to get used to and be okay with losing because yeah. I think that's an important life lesson <laughs> of like, not, not that I want him to, to feel beat down, but I, I want him to be able to engage with somebody lose and still have a good conversation with somebody afterwards, you know, or, or talk with them without disengaging from the experience. Yeah. Tallulah can be um, a little less than a gracious loser. So, and, and I mean, she's seven, so I don't really, you know, but, but I try to instill like 
we had fun for the experience. And I'm not trying to like, I'm not like, yeah, you just got trounced. You need to go back to school, kid. Like I, right, I no, say no, all no. my back talk for adults. Right. Um, do, you, do you guys play uh, Pokemon though? We do. And I was going to actually bring this up as well because okay. I know you guys are a Pokemon family. That, 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 that's part of how we got through it with, with him was um, just just helping him be like, okay, if, if you want to get new cards, if you want to have, then you have to get to the point where you're willing to risk something. And if you're not risking something, then you can't win. Um, so uh, that, that's part of how we got him over, over that hump. Do you guys play competitively when you play Pokemon or is it? Yeah, for the most part. Um, she's still, she gets a little distracted if the game goes a little long. So yeah. we, when we play, there's a lot of like trying to keep it on like, hey, we are playing this because yeah. <laughs> usually if the three-year-old's running around, it's harder to play a game because then you got hands oh. and, and stuff like that. But um, yeah, we, we do play. I, I pick her up new decks or I get like, we, we only do, we don't do like, we just do theme decks, you know. Yeah, so you don't have to mess with deck building um, that, yeah. She beat me the last time we played with the new theme decks that I got. And I, and I really like playing it with her. Um, and also it instills, this is important for me for like gaming and stuff is uh, reading comprehension and, yep. and, and building those skills. That's something that I heavily value. Um, so when I first got her games, I, I went for games that didn't have a lot of reading because while she's an ad, a good or advanced reader, um, she she sees currently reading as a chore. Mm. Yeah. And so sometimes we're playing Pokemon, yeah. which which I had mentioned previously about cards when I was younger, where I'm like, I'm not reading this, and then come to find out the card was like super great and would have been good in all of my decks. Right. With her, like it's it's uh, when we play, I'm I'm usually like, yeah, no, no, you go ahead and read it. She's like, well, I don't want to. Oh, well, I don't know what to tell you because I ain't reading it. <laughs> <laughs> like right, like the only way that you're gonna get to play the ability on the card is if you read it. If you don't, well, sorry, it's my turn. You didn't. Get yeah. It. <laughs> yeah. You want to pass? You gonna get yeah. your attack in? Yeah. yeah. And I also just really like Pokemon. I I actually have been painting a Pokemon. Oh, have you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, a friend of mine 3D printed, so that is a a Pikachu um, that is very muscular. Yeah, that's pretty fun. That's I I don't know what I would do. I, like, is he still like two and a half, three feet tall, or is he six feet tall? If if, if he was <laughs> real life, uh, oh well. Um, Side note, I'm using that as my character for our Friday night online RPG that we're starting. Okay. Um, so currently he will be uh, with the character that I've made using that model basis as a character. He is as large as a hippopotamus. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so. That is a very large. Yeah, I have like a human. So yeah, so human scale. Yeah. Okay. Pikachu scale. So the human is like, and that's actually third <laughs> the height of the Pikachu. Okay. For those yeah. Who are just listening? Um. Alrighty. Anyway, um, I love Pokemon. I love things associated with Pokemon. I am not very knowledgeable about Pokemon, but that does not diminish my enjoyment. Yeah. Well, you know, what? let's just end on this real quick. Do you do any? Uh, I think this has been a good. Good segment. Um, I'm going to mention one game um, 
Well, I was going to, yeah, we can. Oh, go, go ahead. Do you have one more game? Well, uh, there's one, another Hava game that we picked up, and I looked it up when we started because I forgot uh-huh. that I had it. Uh, Tiny Park, which is just a oh, tile yeah. placement game, a roll and yeah. order that. Uh, we really like playing that one as a family. Um, that's, that's a big one, and it's a push-your-luck game, kind of. Yep. And then the other one that I picked up is uh, Jungle Jive, which I got at a thrift store. It's Robin's, Robin's Burger. And this is just a um, just a fun little like uh, dexterity. Uh, what's that called? Um, twister type of game where you yeah. have to match poses, and then you get points. And yeah, you have to hold an egg, and if the egg shakes too much, it wakes the baby, and then you lose your turn. No, yeah, Raffensburger has several that are very similar to that, and I, I, I like. I think they're another solid company for for kids' games. I'd say. Um, them and you know uh peaceable kingdom is great for the co-op stuff teaching kids some uh basic mechanics um yeah then and then the game that we've played with blaze that i still like uh that i was going to mention and but but what i i think we should end on is, is maybe talking about storytelling and rpgs for kids and that and um but before we go to that uh the game because i don't think a lot of people know it is croak and it, it teaches um, some mechanics kind of similar to chess and checkers and that you are thinking about where your um, pieces end up you have these little frogs that start in their corners and one is a queen frog and then she has her little um, male frogs and two of each and, and then you're trying to eliminate the queen on the other side and then you're flipping tiles and there might be fish that can eat you or other hazards um, but I, I think that it's important to teach kids like abstract things it's important to teach them um like how to foresee the the, the what's what's a better way to say this but but planning their moves yeah do what just anticipate yeah uh, cause and effect right if planning, i do yeah. strategy mm-hmm. if i do this what's going to happen two to three moves down that i need to be aware of um, so I, I think the, those are good ones. Any, any game that teaches those type of critical thinking skills uh, without um, turning it into a chore, <laughs> like we were talking about with Pokemon, I think that that is a good um, kids game. And I think the final thing uh, for me as far as what a kids game is, 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 is I don't know. <laughs> I thought about this a lot, and I was like, what, what finally changes it from being a kids game to it being a family weight game. And it, it seems like it's designed for people eight and younger, but that's still a fuzzy category. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like it's just, they're all games, you know, yeah. like, like, yeah. like adults could have fun theoretically playing some kids games, you know, like, oh, I love, I, like Dr. Eureka and, and go, go gelato, which are dexterity games yeah. where, where you're changing um, in Dr. Eureka, you're changing the, the little um, chemical balls that are in the beakers. And Go-Go Gelato, you're changing the, the location of the gelato on the cones. Like, yeah. like, like you're saying, like adults can play those. And, um, you know, uh, depending on, on what they're doing on a night, they, they, they might have even more fun with those dexterity yeah. games too. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, like is, if they're designed – for I, you know, it's a song. I, I think theming's the big thing the, the, mm. the, for kids' games. You know, 
Um, but that's just maybe me as a, as a, my parenting style. You know, yeah. I try to, I, I like a lot of, I like introducing my kids to fantasy elements and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't want it to be too, you know, heavy fantasy and frightening. Right. You know what I mean? So I, I think a lot of it's theming. And then, yeah, kids like it. And, and I mean, half the time I play with the kids, I, we're not really actually playing the game as designed. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just playing, we're just playing a game. We're having fun. And, and yeah. that's, you know, I, I do want to build certain, I, I am working towards, you know, teaching my kids things and, you know, uh, how to be good sports, how to have fun no matter what. Cause I, it's, that's a big yeah. thing for me is I don't need to win or lose. I'm always going to play to win, but I'm mostly playing to have fun. Right. Especially, yeah. Especially with kids. Um, have you, and this is where I want to end if it's okay. Um, so have you done any like role playing stuff at all? Have you checked out like the, my little pony one is really good. Um, I haven't yet. I've been tooling around with the idea. So we've been building Frostgrave war bands and uh-huh. Lula and I do a lot of um, terrain building and stuff. And Seamus has been getting in on it and painting miniatures and stuff. Yeah. And I am trying to work that into like a narrative uh, miniatures game. Um, I would love to do role-playing with the kids at some times. I mean, we have teachable moments and we do storytelling, but as far as like sitting down and doing like an RPG, we haven't, I was talking with another dad about maybe running some stuff with Mm -hmm. his kids, but I think there's a pandemic or something going on. I don't follow the news. Um, (laughs) But yeah, that's something I'm I'm heavily interested in too. And, um, I had some ideas to, to actually design terrain with Tallulah and then write a module and, um, and give it to people with the terrain design for the story for like kid friendly, multiple ways to solve it. But I don't have a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It, it, it definitely takes time to write more than some people realize it, it takes time to write and plan out um, something that's age appropriate. Um, have you did Did you finish reading The Hobbit with Tulu or um, so we watch the cartoon on my birthday every year as uh-huh. my special treat the one the one from the 70s right yeah yep and I think it's just a little too much for we we are we're about a third of the way through the book um, we read stories every single night and I'd say pretty frequently, I'm like, hey, you want to continue The Hobbit? And she says no. Okay. No. Okay, I, I, I didn't realize that. I, I, I knew you guys had started the book, so it, it kind of depends on, on interest. Yeah, I, she likes the story and stuff. Um, I just think that before bedtime, it, it spooks her a little bit, and she's... And it, yeah, she she's... The cartoon has uh, smog, and he looks like a cat dragon, so she's always yeah. like, when she thinks about it, she's like, I hate that stupid cat dragon. And someday in like, maybe in like 10 years, she's going to watch this video and she's going to be like, why you got to be talking <laughs> about how I'm afraid of dragons. Did, uh, did Leonard Nimoy, who, who voiced Smaug in that one? I have no idea. I, I feel like it was somebody like either from the Transformers or Leonard. Ne- uh, now I'm going to have to look it up. Well, but 
<laughs> oh, there was a vast. Have you done any RPGs with the boys yet? Um, no, no, you're fine. We, we, no, no, I was excited because I remembered I know the answer to this question. Okay, yeah, we, we, we did the D&D starter, and then um, I got Soren the, uh, the Star Wars one uh, RPG starter kit for um, the Force Awakens one. So he's been working through that, and he's ready to lead us in a campaign. I just got to find time, like you're talking about. And with that, he designed that he was running his brother and uh, the two friends that we've kind of co-quarantined with. Uh, he, he designed a Pokemon RPG. Oh, man, I want to play that. Yeah, he, it, evidently it's a lot of fun. But, like, they got so seriously into it that uh, they had to take a little break because there were some disagreements about, like, what the party should do next and so forth. Um, <laughs> so basically the same thing that happens with, with adults sometimes, too. Um, well, that's that's a memory, man. I remember my first like homebrew game when I was little, uh, which I was probably still older than them, like seventh grade. And yeah, there was like some that, some anger and stuff. They killed my character when I was in another class, and and oh you're gonna look back on that like twenty years, and they're gonna be like, they're so mad about I, it. I don't I don't think that there's any dead Pokemon or anything like that. I think it's more like no, no, they just can't agree about where they want to go, and you know. Uh, I don't even know what the world of Pokemon is called. I, I, I'm just assuming it's post-apocalyptic Japan somehow. Um, it's, like, it's like weird cottage Japan. Yeah, but like something weird happened to the world where all these animals have been <laughs> mutated. Been there. It's, a, it's an alternate timeline. You know, I, I, like I said, okay. I love Pokemon. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> I, I do watch I, anime sometimes, the cartoons. So I, I, I have my own own theories about it because I've watched a couple of the animated movies and stuff too. That, that, um, that <laughs> this is my sci-fi brain talking, but um, that so the world went through. Uh, we'll say it was World War Two. That, that there was this nuclear fallout around the world, everywhere, and that's why there's you know other places that they can visit outside the islands uh, and, and so forth, but. With that, as people died, they implanted them. They found out that, that souls are real, but um, they implanted people's memories into animals uh, because they didn't want to lose them, and that's how they got over radiation poisoning around the world. Um, that, that's the truncated version of the story. Okay. Um, and that's why they're always, you know, because animals don't have fully developed vocal cords in the way we do. Um, maybe That's why they can only say their name. Right. That's why they can only say their name. Now, do you think that all the Pokemon were named because they named themselves? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In, my, in my weird, twisted version of post-apocalyptic uh, Pokemon. Well, I mean, and it's it, going with, you know, a lot of, um, like, Godzilla stuff and the inspiration before yeah. behind a lot of the kaiju and stuff like that. Yeah. It, it would make sense that Pokemon is an evolution of I mean, World War II. Yeah. Well, yeah, Gojira is just another... Pokemon. Hey, kids, this episode got real heavy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, well this, this, I mean, we're, we're still recording for adults, but we're talking about kids stuff. So, all right. Yeah. It was good to talk with you. We will probably talk about um, the industry and exclusives and all that for the next episode, maybe. We'll yeah, maybe we'll just spitball some more. Like, we could, we'll get, we'll get the, the overview, and then we'll just, yeah. <laughs> it was a beautiful conversation. I look forward to it every week. Yep. Happy belated. You've been listening to Board Game Games. Join us next time as we discuss 
changes in the gaming industry, and if local stores are even necessary.